want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. What is up, guys? James Guffin here on HiPod on Dad. Welcome back to another edition of the podcast. It is Friday. It is April 1st. It's 2022. And today is the start, the official start of Autism Awareness Month. It is technically Autism Awareness Day. A lot of awareness all around you. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, it's a big day, I think, for a lot of people who have autism uh, in their family. I know a lot of people have questions today. It, it's... That's a good thing. Let's talk about that in a second. But before anything, if you're listening to me on any of the streaming services, wherever you found me, do me a favor, like, subscribe, hit the bell. Is there a bell? Hit it. If you see a bell, any bell, just hit the bell. Uh, tell people about the podcast. Spread the word. I do appreciate it. We are everywhere. Spotify and if you heart radio, we got it there too. Pandora, it's everywhere. So thank you for all your support. I do appreciate it. Also, the blog is highblogomdad.com. Twice a week, Monday, Wednesday. I have stuff up there as well. Uh, new things coming up too. Uh, might be today. I hope it's today. I don't know. If not, in the, in the next few days, new stuff going up on the Mighty. Hopefully getting picked up elsewhere. I'll keep you guys updated on when that happens. So yeah, good things. Good things all around. But yeah, today is Autism Awareness Day, which I know is a polarizing thing to talk about because some people don't like the term autism awareness. And I get it. I've always gotten, and this has been something that I've written about, and I've tried to find different points of view on it. I think there's good. I think there's things that aren't so good about it. I think it's all across the board. And I don't think that when it comes to stuff like autism awareness or any sort of awareness, I know that, you know, Susan Coleman goes through it with, uh, with breast cancer research. I think that there are ways to look at any sort of awareness outreach on both ends of it. Because at the end of the day, a lot of things go through big companies, right? Now, Autism Awareness goes through Autism Speaks. Some people have an issue with Autism Speaks, the puzzle and the blue and all that stuff. And I get it. I definitely get it. I think that you can't go into something like this 100% one way or the other. And the way I see it is this, right? Autism Speaks, as an organization, does a lot of good in terms of, you know, creating awareness. I think awareness is a big deal. I don't think it's the kind of thing that we should just kind of push under the rug I think awareness is the thing that allows me and my son to go out somewhere and he can get upset or he can, you know, let out noises. My son makes noises. He lets out excited yips and, you know, little screeches and things like that. Things that I've become used to, things that have become part of the background of our lives, that if we go to a pizzeria, it's not so normal for people to hear that. And thanks to autism awareness, you don't get the stares anymore. You don't get the feeling of being out of place, not as much as you know, people used to. It's a big deal. It's not a lot of good stuff. Now, if you're looking at Autism Awareness Month as the kind of thing where, you know, who's giving me money? Where are we getting, you know, where's the funding coming from? I don't know. Maybe they don't do that. But I don't look at it that way. I'm not really thinking. When I think of autism awareness, I just think simply of the awareness that it raises and the way that it makes people realize 
that autism is something that's out there and it's a part of the world. Now, is there more to do than autism awareness? Absolutely. Absolutely. Autism acceptance is a big deal. Autism appreciation, which is my thing that I love, uh, I think is the most important part, but they're all kind of lead into each other. Autism awareness is the idea of being aware for us that my son had autism when he was little. And I wrote about this on Wednesday, why I had my child tested for autism on highblogomdad.com. I wrote this article about it. It's kind of a personal story. I didn't get too deep into it, but I was aware of the quote unquote warning signs that my son displayed early on. He had missed milestones, developmental delays, all that stuff across the board. And then I remember one day we were at the California Pizza Kitchen and I don't know what it was because it wasn't the most major thing, but I think for all of us who have been in this position, who have had a child that you worried about silently, and I worried about him silently for, you know, two years worrying about this kid or a year, like trying to figure out what his delays were a part of. But I didn't say it out loud to anybody. You don't want to. Every once in a while, you'd be like, mm, you gotta talk soon. But you don't, you know, you don't, uh, you don't say autism out loud. And you don't say special needs out loud. You just don't do it. And I didn't. Until that day, we were at the California Pizza Kitchen and he started rocking back and forth in his high chair, banging his chest on the table in front of him, but like liking it and being into it. And somebody's like, oh, he's being like silly, something like he's being silly or something. And I had said, um, I don't think that's silly. I think there's something wrong. I don't know why I said it. I just said it out loud. And I remember it caused kind of a, a reverb across the table from people who maybe were thinking the same things and hadn't said it, but I said it first. And that was the start of the journey. At that point, it takes one person to point it out. And it was scary. To this day, it's still kind of scary at times. I'll be honest with you. The big scary thing about autism in your family for your child is that you don't know what it's going to look like. So when your baby has autism and your baby's one or two years old, you don't know what they're going to look like at five. Then they're five. You don't know what they're going to look like at 10. My son's 11 years old now. So I'm cool with a lot of this stuff. And I'm starting to realize that as he grows, it's not as dire as you think because that person grows with you, you know? So when he was, you know, two and I'm picturing him at 10 with autism, I'm picturing a stranger that I'm a part of, but he's not a stranger. You know, he's grown with me. We've, you know, we've grown up. We've gotten older together. So I know now that when he's 20, 30, 40, I'm going to have grown with him to 20, 30, 40, but it's still kind of scary at times to try to picture who he's going to be. That was autism awareness. I became aware that my son has autism. And that was something that I was aware of for a while. I became aware of it too. We had a professional, I was gonna tell this story. She was awful. I wrote about her once called When Your Professional Isn't. I had written on a high blog years ago, one of my first articles. She was a speech teacher. She was a wackadoodle, right? I'm not, it's hard not to say her name. She came over to the house. She worked with Lucas. She was strangely inappropriate. <laughs> a lot of weird stuff about this woman. Uh, talked trash about you know my spouse at the time and just a weird, weird nonsense. But I remember one day, and it's something that cut through us. We were, she was working with him. I don't know if my ex-wife had come in or I had come in. One of us had come home and he didn't look up. He was just playing with his toy, something that we were aware of, you know, and this is before the official diagnosis. And she goes, oh, did you see that? He didn't even look up when you walked in. 
It's like you weren't even there. Like you didn't even notice. It's like it didn't even matter. Like you're not even there. You know what I mean? I'm like, so finally I had to be like, we got it. We know. We know. That's what he does. He doesn't look up. He doesn't notice it. And to me, that was a huge autism sign. So things like that existed and that made us aware that he had autism. And one of the things that this jackass had told us to do was to remove anything that could stimulate autism. That's what she told us to do. So we got rid of toys that lit up. This is an awful part of, the, of our history. We got rid of toys that lit up. We got rid of this big you know, activity box where you spin the things and the beads on top. All these toys that he loved, we got rid of because she told us that we were encouraging him to have autism. And it wasn't until years later that I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I got rid of these toys for this kid. This poor boy loved these toys. And this a-hole had me get rid of them. That was autism awareness. But the fact that we gave away his toys and the fact that we stood against it, that was not autism acceptance. We hadn't accepted him yet. We had become aware of what it was and we were trying to fix it. When you're trying to fix autism, you haven't accepted it yet. That's how you know the difference. Now, autism acceptance came next. Autism acceptance was when I eventually realized this is who he is. He loves the things he loves. He stims on certain toys, let him stim on certain toys. He likes certain shows. He's maybe too old for Sesame Street, let him watch Sesame Street. My son watches Sesame Street today. He's 11. We love Sesame Street. We love Raffi. He's been watching the same shows since he was two. We watch the same stuff. He enjoys it. It's very rare that we branch out into new new programs. He finds stuff on YouTube once in a while, but for the most part, it's Abby's Flying Fairy School. It's Raffi. It's Color Crew. It's the Wiggles. It's the same stuff that he's always loved. And I let him love it because I accept that that's who he is. Um, I accept that there's certain things he might never do. Certain things he might never do. My son might never brush his own hair. My son might never tie his own shoes. Might not happen. I would like it to happen. I work with him and every day there are surprises. And I've had surprises even recently. Things that I've been dealing with that have worried me. I felt like he was regressing a few weeks ago and I'm feeling now things are getting a little bit better and we kind of go up and down on the roller coaster. But the acceptance of his autism is that, look, there are certain things that his autism might make his life include. And I have to accept that. That's autism acceptance. Great. Did that too. All of this leads to where you want to be, where I am, where I try to stay, which is autism appreciation. And it's such a weird thing to say, especially as somebody who came from a time where I didn't even want to say autism out loud. But now knowing him, 11 years old, seeing the kind of kid that he is, the kind of person he is, I appreciate aspects of his personality that are there because of autism. There are things that my son does that he wouldn't do if he wasn't nonverbal, that if he wasn't, you know, dealing specifically with delays or however you want to put it, that make him a wonderful kid. My son, I've said this before. I know sometimes people are like, you're just assuming, maybe I'm assuming. My son doesn't demonstrate that he has an ego. There's nothing about him that's egotistical or conceited or braggadocious or any of those things. It's just not part of his personality. It's not something that works into who he is. And that's not just even just the words. You know, you would think if somebody can talk, they would say those things, but he doesn't speak. He doesn't have words for it. And because of that, he's not like that. He doesn't put himself first. He doesn't, doesn't bully anybody. He doesn't push people around. He doesn't get violent. He's not even really selfish, which I know surprises people because this is something, again, 
And it's something that I've written about when you guys get to the, the piece that I did for the mighty, it's not up today, it's not up today, but I had written about the differences, even once you become aware of autism, um, they're also different from one another, all the people who have autism, that you still don't know autism. It's the one thing where like, you know, you, you're like, oh, I get what that is. Not really, because it's really different for different people. And I'm aware that all these things that I'm talking about, my son not demonstrating, somebody else with autism might demonstrate those things. They might be egotistical. They might be rude. All those things might happen. My son doesn't have that. So I recognize that because he's nonverbal, he has these personality traits and that's a part of autism. And that's why I appreciate the role that it plays in his life. And I think everybody who has autism it affects their personality in certain ways. And if you could tap into the positives of that, that's what the appreciation is. And that's what makes us all so proud of him, man. I, I love my kid. I really do. I went in like to his room this morning and he was getting up for, for school and he was laying in bed watching TV and I just laid with him. And so I just laid there. And every once in a while, turn around, look at me, I put his finger under my chin, kind of turn my head towards him. I'll give him a kiss on the forehead. It's just sweet. It's the kind of thing where, I don't know, if he, if he was a neurotypical 11-year-old, would I be doing that? I don't know. Maybe not. But I'm able to do that. And I appreciate that about him. I appreciate everything about this kid. And hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, and you are a parent, and you are struggling, and you have a child, and you are afraid that your child might have autism, or your child might have any special needs, hopefully you can hear me, and you could read the things I write, and follow along with the blogs and the podcasts and know that there's really, there's nothing to be afraid of when you love your kid. Because you're going to love that kid no matter what. It's unconditional. My daughter is neurotypical. My daughter's 13. Um, she's in the honor society, all this other stuff. But my daughter, if she did anything, I would still love her. No matter what choices she made in life. I would always love my daughter, no matter how terrible they are. Let's say she makes the worst choices in the world. I would be very upset and I would try to talk her out of it and work with her, but I would always love my daughter. Same thing with my son and the same thing with your kid. If your kid is demonstrating signs of delay, you're going to love your kid who has a delay because that's what you do. You're a parent. It means something to be a parent. It's not the kind of thing where it's not, this isn't a pet this isn't a toy. This isn't a, an acquaintance. This is part of you, whether you're blood related or not. Whether, and when I say parent, this is a big deal for me too. When I say parent, I'm talking about any caregiver that you are. If you are a grandparent and you are raising your grandkids, you are a parent. If you're an aunt, if you're an uncle, if you're an older brother or sister, if they've lost their parents, if they're foster kids or adopted kids, you are a parent to these kids. And by taking this role as a caregiver, you love these kids. That's a big part of it. And I know people hear this and they're like, well, you don't have to love them to raise them. You kind of do. You kind of do. Because raising a kid is rough. And the one thing that gets me through it most times is that I love my kids. If I didn't love my kids, holy crap, this would be the most thankless, difficult job I've ever had in my life. So you have to love them. You have to really care about these kids and want them to succeed. So if you feel that way and your kid ends up having autism, you're going to love your kid through autism. It's just going to be the way it is. Uh, so don't worry. Don't fear it. 
It's a part of you. It's a part of your life. And how it affects your family uh, is something that comes into light over time. And there's going to be tough days and there's going to be easy days. And there's going to be days where the child with autism is the most difficult person in the house. And there's going to be days when the child with autism is the easiest person to deal with in the house. I've had all those days, man. And at the end of the day, you know, you go from awareness to acceptance to appreciation. And hopefully you'll get to where I am. Um, It's not easy. No parenting is easy. Raising either kid isn't easy. My daughter sometimes, oh my God. I'm like, what are we talking about? Like she'll come back. We have a rule, my daughter and I, where as long as I hear everything from her first, she won't get in trouble. So if something happens at school that she thinks she's gonna get in trouble about and she comes to me before the principal calls or before the dean or guidance counselors or whatever, as long as she comes to me first, she won't be in trouble. I might deal with it a certain way. I might be, you know, give her life lessons and you have to do this, but I won't yell and scream and freak out and punish. If she comes to me, listen, I messed up. I need your help. All right, I'll help you. We'll figure it out together. But it makes it kind of hard. <laughs> There's definitely some difficult times raising my daughter. So yeah, I don't know. I would honestly say between the two of them, my son gives me some more um, heart-wrenching moments, worries, where are you going to be in a few years kind of thing. But when it comes to the day-to-day, I don't know. I think they kind of they balance out a little bit. So there you go. So hopefully if you're listening to this and you're worried about, um, about your child and you're worried about whether or not your kid's going to have, you know, autism or, you know, whether or not your kid's going to have delays, just love your kid and everything will be okay. I mean that. I don't usually, I know it sounds so simple to say that everything's gonna be all right, but it kind of is, you know, everything's okay even when it's not. It's one of my favorite sayings. What's funny is I wrote on Monday a piece called when just being a person is harder than being a parent, which sounds like it might fly in the face of everything I'm talking about here, but it's not. Um, and I talk about struggling in my day-to-day life sometimes with things that are in my head. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I am on an upswing right now. I'm in a great place. I feel good. I have a lot of good things happening. Um, it really is. And I'll be able to tell you guys more as time goes on, but there's a lot of you know irons in the fire, a lot of things I'm proud of. I'm happy about that. But still, as a 40-something-year-old man, I have a lot of things that I, I'll say agonize over, but things that definitely affect me. I think of friends who have passed away. I think of regretful decisions. I think of things that have happened in my life. And I'll spend my day sometimes thinking about these things, walking around and just like remembering things. Oh, remember I said this? Remember that happened? What happened to that guy? I think about, I think about my friend Chris who passed away. I think about my friend Patrick, passed away uh, a few years ago. He was the best man at my wedding. And those things go through your head. You, you rerun conversations. You rerun scenarios, all sorts of things. Your brain is, is usually pretty preoccupied with things. And uh, what happens is, as you get ca- caught up in that, your kid will come over and need something. So you're sitting there and you're like beating yourself up over a conversation that you had like 20 years ago. And next thing you know, like, my son wants pirate booty. So I can't just be like, no, dude, hang on. No food right now. I'm busy beating myself up over a conversation that I had in 2005. Can you please stop doing that? No, you can't do that. You got to just be a parent. And what it ends up doing is it pulls you out of that mental state, which is one of the things that makes being a parent so great. My daughter's the same way. We watch Smallville right now. We've been watching uh, Smallville, which I'm happy about. I like, 
I grew up on Superman. I love Superman. I'm not a huge superhero guy, but she watches Marvel. Like with her mom, they watch Marvel. I've I've never seen really a Marvel movie. I'm not into it. I'm sorry. Don't write me any emails. Um, but I guess I was like Superman. Superman's kind of that classic from when I was a kid. So we were watching Smallville. I love it. And she pulls me out of these moods. We watch TV. That's what she just text me. We watch TV. And I'm like, yeah, we watch TV. Meanwhile, I'm walking around. I'm thinking about all these things. And it pulls me out of that. And I appreciate that. I love, I love getting to be a parent. I think it's, I was born to be a parent. I don't know. I feel like I've been a dad since I was a kid. And it's, uh, so it's a beautiful thing. So please read that. Read both these blogs. Highblogomdad.com. I have a ton on there. We've been doing these twice a week since February of 2017. So that means uh, there's like a million of them. So check them all out. Let me know what you think. Uh, drop me a line. There's a contact form right on the highblogomdad.com page. Uh, and you can also go and you can comment on Facebook. You can comment on Instagram. Uh, comment everywhere. Drop me a line. I'm available everywhere at Hi James Gutman. That's what I am. So Twitter, Instagram. Facebook, you can hit me up on any of those things and you'll find me there. Hi, James Gutman, H-I. Hi, James Gutman. Not the other one. Don't be like that. Come on. Uh, tell me what you think. But yeah, so it goes. Yeah, the hi, James Gutman joke. I know it gets a little old, but at the end of the day, lots of things get a little old. Like what? Like us. What are you talking about? This is what I'm talking about. Hey, yo. Survey time. Did all you people come to see WCW? Or did all you people come to see the? Pretty close, but that's one more for the good guys. One of the things that makes me feel old, and I think it makes a lot of people feel old, is remembering things that happened when you were older, so to speak, and realizing how long ago they were. What am I talking about? Well, as you grow up and you hit your 20s and early 30s, you start thinking about things that happened when you were a kid. Oh my God, that's so long ago. Mr. Rogers? Wow. I remember Mr. Rogers. That was so long ago. What makes me feel old is when things from college, 20s, start to feel like a long time ago. Case in point, pro wrestling, which is my really my benchmark in my life. Whenever I try to think about old stuff, wrestling plays such a major role in that because it was something that I watched as a kid and it was something that I worked in when I got older. And I remember being in college, I remember watching WCW and the WWF at the time have the Monday Night Wars every Monday. We would watch the shows and we'd have nitro parties and all this other stuff. And how new and cool and fresh it was. And that was over 20 years ago. And what makes it really crazy is, is that about a, a week or two ago, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, passed away. Scott Hall was, if you guys ever saw those NWO shirts, if you're not into wrestling, um, you know, I'll explain it to you quickly. If you are into wrestling, I've talked about wrestling on here before. I actually had Mr. Kennedy do a Moment of Sanity intro a long time ago. That was fantastic. You could find that in the... Uh, in the archive stories about some of the interviews I did. Um, but I did interviews for years. I did a lot of wrestling-related writing where I would write stories. And um, I used to review Monday Night Raw. I had my first book was kind of based on that format. 
And to this day, although the website is pulled offline because you'd have to be an idiot to keep any comedy writing that you did more than 10 years ago online because you're going to get canceled for something you forgot you did. Uh, so I pulled it offline. It's not there, but I still have them all on my hard drive. Most of them are pretty much just kind of uh, chill. But I look back through those things and I went through them the other day and I saw, you know, writing about, you know, a parody and Smallville. I did a parody of Smallville, which I talked about earlier. Uh, which was on TV in like the early 2000s. And it's so crazy just to see that I was working at the time when these things from 20 years ago were happening. But Scott Hall passed away recently. And Scott Hall was the first guy who kicked off the New World Order, the NWO. And if you were alive in the late 90s, you remember NWO t-shirts, New, New, New World Order. It was like the coolest wrestling thing ever, which was even an update on Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, when I was a kid, was everything. Hulk Hogan was the champion when I first started watching when I was like six, seven years old. Beat you know the Iron Sheik, and then he teamed up with Mr. T, and there was Cindy Lauper and Andre the Giant, all the stuff he did. Hogan was the best. And then Hogan started to get boring. And then they created the NWO in the late nineties and Hogan turned heel bad guy. And it was a huge deal, but it was an update. And even then it made you feel old. I can't believe Hulk Hogan is on top again. And what happens is as you grow older and a lot of these people pass away when they get older, Scott Hall was 62 years old. Uh, he had had uh, hip surgery had had a complication during the surgery, was on life support, never interviewed Scott Hall. I did interview Kevin Nash, who to this day was one of my favorite interviews, one of the coolest, most personable people I've ever met in my life. Guy has charisma up the yin-yang, just unbelievable guy. Made me laugh out loud a few times during the interview. Loves Kevin Nash. What ends up happening is that when someone from your youth passes away, you watch old videos, they show you old videos and old packages, they show you what they look like now, and you realize how old you are. Scott Hall was older. He looked older. His hair was white. He talked about these things that felt like they happened yesterday, but they weren't yesterday anymore. He would tell stories, and it's a lot of these videos. I've been watching all these videos of him you know, going over things and you know, just talking about things from his past. It's just weird to realize that, you know, you know, time doesn't stand still, but um, it's really crazy how quickly things go by without you noticing. And that's the slow build. And that's what I'm talking about, you know, to tie it all in a little bit to my son and the, the concern about when you have a child with special needs or with autism and trying to picture what's it going to look like in 10 years, you can't do it. And you can't do it because you're not imagining the slow build that you're getting to that 10-year point. And the same thing happened with wrestling. One day, Scott Hall was, you know, hello, and he's out there throwing a toothpick at people, taking surveys and all that stuff. And the next thing you know, he's got white hair and he's telling stories from days gone by, like, you know, like an older man. And you're not even noticing that you got there. So I didn't even notice. Just like one day, like his hair was a little gray, then it was white. But like, that's who you're seeing. You're seeing him progress like that. But then when he passed away, all the video packages come out, all the tributes, and you start to realize, oh, that's what he looked like. I forgot. That's Scott Hall. So it's crazy. So yeah, I felt really old with that. I feel old a lot of times with, uh, with wrestling stuff. For a long time, wrestlers are passing away very young. You know, there's a lot of guys, uh, drugs and alcohol and people I've dealt with, very sad stories. You know, I've talked about Lance Cade, who was... 
you know, a wrestler that I liked a lot, man. I become cool with him after he left WWE. We talked. I did his first interview ever that he had ever done. Uh, we spent half hour on the phone. My daughter had just been born. He had two daughters. We talked about how proud we were to be fathers. Um, and then he passed away. He was like 33 years old. And I remember the thing that got me about Lance was that I had never kind of been friendly or friend. I don't want to say friends with him. I mean, I was friends with him, but like not like we didn't hang out and get beers. Like we talked on the phone a few times, but I never had kind of a friendship with somebody where they passed away and then you have to endure strangers ripping them apart online, which was a really weird thing for me as, as a wrestling quote unquote journalist was that, you know, I've had friends die and they die and you struggle with it and you deal with it. And people come up to you and they tell you nice stories about them. And you're like, oh, that's nice. Lance Cade passed away and I'm online and I'm reading these neck beards on like Reddit, you know, he's a drug addict, what a druggie, he left his kids. It's like, what? You just want to reach in and grab these people by the throat. So there was a lot of that, that kind of, that bugged me out a little bit, but I'm, I'm getting off on, on a side rant. What I'm saying is uh, for a long time, drugs and alcohol were prevalent in wrestling. They've started to become uh, a little less now. People, they play video games more than they, you know, do drugs. So people are passing away later. Scott Hall was one of those examples of somebody who struggled for many years with drugs and alcohol, got himself together, ended up living to his 60s, which isn't old, but it's still older than, you know, some of these guys that die at 30. And um, yeah, looking back and seeing my youth on display and realizing how long it's been since then, that made me feel old. I think we all go through this a little bit. Even if you don't watch wrestling, if you have old tiger beats in your under your bed, Look at those Tiger Beats. Kirk Cameron, what were you thinking? Kirk Cameron? Come on. Uh, just crazy. Like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. The amount of guest stars that I see on Smallville from 20 years ago that I then go and look up on IMDb or I try to find out what they look like now blow me away. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, what the hell? He'll make you feel old. Google, I'll tell you what. Let's just sum the whole thing up right now. Want to feel old? Google Jonathan Taylor Thomas 2022. You will feel old. I'll feel old. Maybe. Just maybe it'll give you a little piece of sanity. If not, then I will. Here you go. Hi, Pod. This is your moment of sanity. This week's moment of sanity is a little bit different than some of the other ones. Um, it's something that I've discovered as time has gone on, something that makes me feel happy. Something that, I don't know, I was a little concerned about at first. As you guys know, I've I had two cats for 15 years, uh, Buddy and Tipsy. I had them since 2005. Buddy died right at the beginning of COVID. It's a terrible story. I wrote about it. Made me very sad. I had to leave Tipsy behind when I had gotten divorced and I had moved out of my house. But what happened is my daughter would FaceTime me from my ex-wife's house while she was there half the week. And I would pick up and it would just be my cat. And I would be like, Tipsy. And I would... I always be like, Olivia, where are you? Get on here. What are you putting the cat on? I would try to get her to come back and talk to me. And she wouldn't. And then I would end up talking to the cat because the cat was adorable. But it was cute. And like she would pop up once in a while. She did this weird thing where she didn't want to talk. She would just kind of stare at me. But I got to FaceTime with the cat all the time. I took pictures of it. And I loved it. Um, a few months ago, my cat passed away. Which is weird. It was a weird situation. Because I hadn't seen the cat for a year. I had actually not seen the cat since May of 2021. And I had gone back about three weeks to a month before the cat died 
to bring my daughter over there to feed her. My my ex-wife was away for the day. She needed us to do this favor. So I got to go over and I got to see the cat. And I hadn't been there that much. So I'd just seen Tipsy. I love Tipsy. I and then Tipsy passed away. And it, it's kind of that weird feeling. I've talked about that with my friend Patrick. When you don't talk to somebody uh, and they pass away, it's different than when you talk to somebody every day and they pass away. When they pass away and you see them all the time, it's a hole left in your life. When it's somebody that you don't talk to every day, it doesn't leave a huge gaping hole immediately. But it's the kind of thing where every once in a while, you remember that they're not out there. And it makes it, it's like sporadic little kicks in the stomach that you get. And I had that with my cat. Still have it with my cat. Still miss her little head. Still weird to believe that she's not out there. It sucks. But I was worried when my cat passed away that my daughter wasn't going to FaceTime me anymore. Sounds silly, right? But if you really think about it, she wouldn't talk. She would just put the cat on there. I would pick up and the cat would be on there. And um, I'd be like, are you going to say anything? She wouldn't say anything. And I'm like, oh my God, she's not going to FaceTime me anymore. And I remember worrying about it. And I don't remember the time period. I don't know if she did right away or not. I don't think, I think there was a little bit of time went by. She would text me. She texts me all the time. Hi, hello. She does that from school. Hi, hello. I'm like, what do you want? She's like, hello. I'm like, how's school? IDK. I'm like, dude, what do you want from me? <laughs> we go through this all day. Text me all the time. But I was worried I wouldn't get to FaceTime with her anymore. And what ended up happening was, I guess my ex-wife had bought her a doll, a cat doll, after my cat passed away, like a stuffed animal. It was a great cat. She named it Noodles. She always used to talk about wanting a great cat named Noodles. And I started getting FaceTimes from Noodles, where all of a sudden I would pick up and there would just be a stuffed animal. And I was like, ah. and I went, Noodles, what are you doing? Now I'm talking to the fake cat, like as if, it, and it got really weird. At one point she sent me over a video of her microwaving it. I'm like, what are you, don't put it in the microwave. <laughs> it was just stuff that she did. But it was, um, it made me happy. It was a good feeling. It's the kind of thing that I've thought about and I think in life, sometimes we go through that where we're, you know, you have all these emotions all wrapped around one thing. And it was hard because it was, there's a lot of emotions wrapped around the loss of Tipsy. But then the worry of not being able to FaceTime with my kid anymore, the worry that we would lose some sort of, you know, bond with each other because of it. And we didn't. And it felt good. It made me happy. Um, and I've thought about it. I haven't talked about it. I haven't gotten too into it. But I think it speaks a lot about the bonds that we create. Because I think as parents, you know, our kids are sometimes feel like they're an arm's length away. You know, like for us, they're everything. You know, I see my daughter. I'm like, tell me the gossip. What's going on? Spill the tea, girl. You know, like, <laughs> I try to talk like a kid. Um, but there's something in the back of your head sometimes. It's like, you're lame. Like, she thinks you're lame. Like, she's nice to you, but she thinks you're lame. And we doubt ourselves as parents. Not as parents, but as people in their lives, as somebody that they want to be around. Because maybe some of us didn't have the best relationship with our own parents. Maybe we, we start to project that and feel like we're the same way. And I had that. I had that worry. And I was glad to find out that it wasn't true. And since then, man, we're still, we FaceTime and she texts me all the time. I still miss my cat. I miss my cat a lot. I miss both of them. I think one day I'd like to have pets again. I don't know if I'd have a dog or a cat or what, but I went from being a non-pet person, which I was when I was growing up. I had a dog. We didn't really do much with the dog. The dog was just a part of the house. Um, and then when I had first gotten married, I don't know, it was right before we got married, right after we got married, uh, my ex-wife wanted cats. She wanted a cat and then read somewhere the cats get lonely. So we needed a second cat, which is why we named him Buddy. She was like, what are we going to name this cat? I'm like, Buddy? 
She's like, why? I'm like, that's why we're getting him. Like, it's her buddy. Like, we, we want a buddy for the cat. And through the years, I ended up loving these cats. And by the time I had moved out and I wrote about this on the blog, I became like an animal person. I don't know where it started, but like I tell people, they'll be like, oh, you haven't met my dog. My dog doesn't like anybody. I'm like, your dog's gonna love me. And they do. Everyone's pets love me when I see them. I walk down the street, people walk dogs. I'm like, oh, I talk to the dog. That's who I've become. I've become that guy. I've become a pet guy, which is, uh, I don't know, it makes me happy. It feels good. I like, I like pets liking me. I like pets. And we work it out. But yeah, good moment for me. Moment of sanity. It wasn't about FaceTiming with the cat. It's, it's a bond that's unbreakable. And, uh, and even through grief and through self-doubt, sometimes things come through and you feel good. So I feel good. And that does it for me. Guys, thank you once again for another edition of Hi Pod, I'm Dad, Autism Awareness Day edition. I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you sharing it, hitting the like button, hitting the subscribe button, hitting the bell, hitting, I don't know, the books, hitting the bottle, whatever you want to hit, hit it. And let me know how it goes. I appreciate all your support. Thank you. Keep your eye out. I'm going to have links to all the work that I have coming up. And there is a lot of stuff coming up. I have really exciting stuff in the works. I hope uh, if even half of them go as well as I'm, I'm hoping, I think we're going to be in good shape. So I'm very excited. I'll let you guys know all about it as time goes on. Until next time, James Gutman saying, be well. Bye, pod. I'm Dad.